the Medical Republic, I'm Ruby Prosser-Scully. This is The Tea Room. It won't shock you to hear that many Australian women aren't getting their iron needs met. But the common advice to eat more iron-rich foods may be setting them up for failure. This week, I spoke to Associate Professor David Fraser, Head of the Molecular Nutrition Laboratory at the QIMR Burkhofer Medical Research Institute about how the food we eat has changed since the agricultural revolution and may now be fundamentally unable to meet our true iron needs. Hi David, thanks for joining me. So to start with, could you just tell us how our food has changed over time and how the nutritional components in it have changed? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I guess the big thing that I, I find a little bit frustrating, um, I've had, well, I wouldn't say arguments, but I've had a few heated discussions with um, dietitians in particular um, because they generally are taught that um, the best thing is to get your nutrients from the food. Mm-hmm. And I can I can see why, why that happens. Um, I remember we published an article back oh, 2015-ish, I think, on some novel iron supplements that we were looking at developing. And um, it was picked up by new scientists as something that was going to be of interest to their readers. Mm. And at the end of that, they, they'd actually interviewed a um, – to get some quotes, they'd interviewed um, a couple of the scientists involved, um, but they also interviewed a, a dietitian. And dietitian said something along the lines of, oh, look, these supplements are great, but we really should be trying to get all, the, all our nutrients from our food. That's the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. And the trouble is, because our foods have changed so much, I don't think that's entirely possible anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like people are considered um, – well, I mean, they wouldn't say this, but it's almost seen as as a failure to have to take a supplement to um, top things up when it, it's not really the fault of the person. It's the fault of the um, the food that, that we eat now. It's just completely changed. Mm. Um, and and it, it's like, I'm sure it's like this with a lot of nutrients, um, but iron is just a, a particular one that um, because it's in, it's in such high demand, uh, the average woman in Australia will take in about, 10 milligrams per day. Average man probably takes in about um, 12 to 14. We tend to eat a bit more and eat a bit more meat products than women do. Mm. But the recommended daily intake for women at the moment is 18. Mm. And so most women don't make that. And we're writing up a, a manuscript at the moment to try and argue that it should be a lot higher than that and the current recommended daily intakes are too low mm. uh, for women and, and for men, but for men it doesn't really matter that much because we're already consuming a bit more than that. But studies that have been done on um, on hunter-gatherers uh, and, and estimates on what we used to eat, yeah, the, the, the estimates range from 80 milligrams per day if you're on predominantly a vegetarian diet mm. to 120 if you're predominantly a meat-eating diet. And that's that. That's far in excess of what we actually need and probably explains why iron deficiency is so high considering we're eating probably a tenth of that now. But you can see how – because otherwise, I mean, it's hard to see how we would have evolved to be so dependent on something that is so hard to get. You know, considering that iron deficiency during pregnancy is going to cause, you know, stunted growth, um, mental retardation, all sorts of issues that would affect the survival prospects of the offspring and therefore reproduce um, um, 
their their reproductive capacity. It just doesn't make any sense. But it does make sense in light of the fact that we probably consumed a lot more. And so uh, meat is a particular one that if you think about what um, what we um, we consume now with meat, you know, we'll go to the butchers or the supermarket and we'll pick up a nice rump steak or something like that from a cow that's been standing out in the field its entire life and never really had to run at all. Mm. As opposed to if you go to game meat, Game meat has had to, you know, run to survive because generally it's a prey animal. Mm. Um, and the iron content of the muscle is about twice as much as you will get in um, in a beef steak. Just simply, be, just simply because in order to, to have that endurance to be able to outrun a predator, they need more mitochondria. That's all iron-containing proteins. You've got an electron transport chain, which is made up of iron-containing proteins. You've got to have more um, myoglobin which is another iron-containing protein, which helps to store oxygen in the um, in the muscle. So you've got all these different components to do with energy production, which a cow just standing out in the field for its entire life doesn't need. And so they've got reduced iron levels. Huh. So those proteins are different in the flesh of wild animals, and that allowed us to get more iron organically? The, the cow in the field has been um, selected over generations to be, you know, fattier, yeah, you know, the meat is much fattier than it is in game meat, just because they've been selected for that, those tender cuts and things like that. Mm. But the other side of it is that a hunter gatherer who goes out and kills an animal will eat everything. Mm. So there, there's evidence from um, um, you know sites of um, primitive cultures where they've dug them up and they've found mammoth bones. There's been evidence of where they've cracked open the bones to eat the um, eat the marrow on the inside. Um, but, you know, they'll eat the spleen, they'll eat the liver, they'll eat the kidneys. All of those things are much higher in iron than muscle is. Mm. And, the, you know, if you go down to a local butcher, there's not really much demand for spleen. So it's um, <laughs> it's completely different the way we – and that's just um, on the meat side of things. Um, if you go to your vegetables, I mean, you pick an apple. I mean, I, I know I try and eat healthy, um, running a nutrition lab, mm. but – um, the, the, the every all the fruit and vegetables that I'm eating have been selected over hundreds of years, in in some cases, um, you know, potentially even longer than that, for what we select as being what we think is is more appealing. So the apples are bigger and juicier and redder, and a lot of cases that's at the expense of those micronutrients, mm. um, because it, it's expanded and it's juicier and it's sweeter. Um, but it's nothing like what we used to eat as hunter-gatherers. Um, and I think a lot of times there, there were some studies that were done um, showing that as far as fossil records go and nutritional deficiencies, they seem to appear mainly with the birth of agriculture. Mm. So agriculture, we went from, and of course, agriculture's got had huge advantages for the human, you know, for human survival. Uh-huh. Um, food wasn't in short supply. We were able to branch out and develop technologies, and all of that sort of stuff came with agriculture. As a hunter gatherer, you spend all your life basically finding food, and so you're very restricted on on being able to develop anything. Mm. But it came at the expense of, of basically we ate um, a, a, a less varied diet. Yeah. And we were able then to to select for what we um, what we were looking for instead. Mm. And in doing that, I think in a lot of cases we selected out um, a lot of the nutrients. So not selected out, but we diluted out some of those nutrients. Because I mean, a grain based diet, um, which is what predominantly feeds the world at the moment, they're not the best for iron. 
Yeah. Whereas as a hunter-gatherer, grains would have made up a much smaller proportion of the diet, you know, hunted an animal and eaten everything. We would have, you know, berries and things like that would have been tiny because really the plant's idea is just to get us to eat the seed and deposit it further away from the um, the plant. They're not there to make this big juicy fruit for us. Mm. Um, it's their own survival that they're worried about. So fruits and vegetables were, were generally, or fruits were, were generally quite small, and but they were nutrient-dense in a lot of cases. And so... Um, we just ate, it's just those foods just aren't available in a lot of cases these days. Mm. They've all been modified. And I, I think that just means that, especially when we start purifying things. And so when you go to things like white bread, um, mm. there you, you've taken something that probably doesn't have enough iron to start off with and you basically stripped it of anything, anything that's left. Yeah. And you put some basic components together at the expense of a lot of micronutrients. During pregnancy, the recommended daily intake is 27 milligrams of iron per day. Mm. Now, 27 milligrams of iron is probably equivalent to roughly 1.4, about 1.3, 1.4 um, kilos of steak. Okay. But that's every day. <laughs> that's every single day during yeah. pregnancy. And so you can see how uh, it's not possible to do that. And incredibly expensive. Well, there's that too, yeah. Um, And if you're doing it, you know, if it's a bowl of spinach or something, it's probably, I don't know, three kilos worth or something. It's just, um, it's it's almost impossible to eat. I remember talking to a nutritionist about that. And when I mentioned what the daily intake was, he just looked at me and said, what? No, that's impossible. There's no way you could eat that. Mm. but that's what the recommended, um, yeah, the recommended daily intake is for pregnancy. So it's almost, and and I think if dietitians keep pushing the must get it from food sort of thing, with the implication they won't, they don't actually say it, but the implication is, well, if you don't get it, if you can't get enough from your food, well, you really haven't done the job you meant to. You really haven't done the best thing. I think that the yeah, it makes people feel a bit guilty when they when they can't do it, and uh, I think pregnant women have enough to worry about that, sort of um, worrying about that. Whereas um, saying here, look, have a supplement because it's really hard to do this would be a better way of tackling it. And there's an element of classism to that as well, right? Where if you're wealthier, you can afford to eat better, and you aren't faced with time constraints and food deserts to the same extent that people in low socioeconomic groups are. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, but even so, even even if you're eating really well, I think it's really hard to get enough iron in. So, and you've said that this is still in the manuscripts age, but your research suggests that we need more iron than the recommended daily intake guides say. Can you talk me through your thinking on that? Um, well, the current, it's because the way they work out recommended daily intakes um, it works for a lot of nutrients because a lot of nutrients, um, things like a lot of your B vitamins, for instance, mm-hmm. if you take a B, uh, vitamin B tablet, you'll absorb most of the vitamin B mm-hmm. and then your body will get rid of what it doesn't need. And so um, that's why, you know, you typically, if you take a, a multivitamin, you know, the next morning your urine might be bright yellow um, because you're getting rid of what you don't need. Um Iron works differently to that. It's 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 actually regulated at the point of absorption instead. Mm. So the body absorbs what it needs 
and we don't really have an excretion mechanism that works well. We do lose iron constantly, um, you know, loss of skin cells, um, loss of cells in the gastrointestinal tract and things like that. And of course, in women, you've got regular menstruation, which loses, um, loses iron. And then you've got, you know, bleeding and things like that due to injury or whatever. Um, but we have this constant loss and we need to balance that. So the way iron works is that if you're iron deficient, you'll absorb more from your diet. Mm. As you as your iron levels build up, you'll reduce the amount you take in. So you and so you, you find that balance between you're trying to balance what you're losing with what you what you take in. Now, when they work out um, the recommended daily intakes, they basically look at okay, how much do you lose a day? And the average woman probably loses roughly a milli, one and a half milligrams a day. And then what they'll do is they'll work out the proportion of iron intake. So if you took in 10 milligrams of, of iron, how much of that would you actually absorb? And it works out to be that you'll absorb probably about, um, the figures they typically work on are about 18% um, of that. So about 1.8 milligrams is what you'll take in. Mm. Um of what you'll absorb from what what you what you um, actually take in, but that absorption, as I said, that changes depending on how much iron you actually have in your body. Mm. And the trouble is, the way they set the recommended daily intakes is they base it on someone the absorption of someone who has a serum ferritin of fifteen. Now, a serum ferritin of fifteen is someone who is iron deficient. Oh, really? Huh. And so, what that means is that. That's the maximum your absorption is. Well, that's close to the maximum of what your absorption is going to be. So they define it as someone who is who has no iron stores but is not anemic. It's been there since I think at least early 80s. And the idea is that if you can if you can define a a value of um of um intake that would supply enough iron for an iron deficient person, it will supply enough iron for someone who's got enough iron. But it doesn't work that way with iron. Because we lose a constant rate of iron. So if I'm going to lose, say, a milligram a day, I'll lose a milligram a day regardless of whether I'm iron deficient or whether I've got a heap of iron. Hmm. And so you've got to be able to match that. But it just means that if I'm iron deficient, I'm absorbing more iron from the diet. So in order to balance that one milligram, I don't have, I, I, I don't have to take as much, I don't have to eat as much iron as if I if I would have to if I you know had a heap of iron and my absorption is a lot less. The trouble is, mm. is that I'll stay iron deficient. Mm -hmm. I won't be gaining any iron the whole time. And so our our that 18 milligrams a day for women is based on an absorption of someone who is iron deficient. Mm. And so that means that someone who is um who has more iron, if they took in 18 milligrams a day, their absorption will be less. And so they won't be able to match the amount that they take in, uh, that they lose. And so their iron stores will gradually drop until they reach, reach a point where it does match. And that will be at serum ferritin of 15 when they're iron deficient. So it actually encourages iron deficiency. Now, the thing is with the recommended daily intakes is they're meant to cover 98.5% of people. And so it won't work like that for everyone. Um, and women, in, in particular with women, because the amount of iron that they lose is sort of, it, it's got a, a very long tail. If you look at the, the distribution, it's not normal. Um, it's got a very long tail because some women lose a lot more through menstruation than others. Mm. Um, and so that's why it, it's sort of, it is skewed to, to a higher level. Um, but still, it, it means that, yeah, consuming that, if, 
if you're looking at what a, a recommended daily intake is meant to do, it's meant to cover 98.5% of the population. We've worked out that 18, I think, if I remember correctly, will cover probably about 70%. Mm. But like I said, most people are only taking in about 10. So most people won't even begin to be um, covered by, a, um, yeah, by the amount they're consuming. Well, thank you for joining me, Professor Fraser. 